0: Live from the Great White North, this is The Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor, what's going on? I'm Braden Dennis, joined by Simon Belanger out of Ottawa. I'm in Toronto recording this. And lots of things to talk about today. We're going to answer a listener question. We're going to talk about Warren's address to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting that happened two days ago. It is always so fun to listen to the Oracle of Omaha do what he does. He's just like so cute. I want to give him a hug. And uh, it was it was too bad that Charlie Munger, his longtime business partner and, and co-chair of Berkshire Hathaway wasn't able to make it there, but he assured us right at the beginning of the meeting that 96 year old Charlie Munger is still good. It is not his health. It is more so that traveling to um, Omaha for the meeting didn't make a whole lot of sense. And that, that makes a lot of sense in itself. So, we hope munger can be there back next year as uh, charlie said at that point he'd be 97 years old the guy is uh just an incredible genius and it's, it's always really really fun to hear them go back and forth they're so witty they're hilarious and um just extremely smart so it's always very fun how are you doing simon
1: Hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing well. I just I thought you forgot about me for a second right there. I
0: was just going to do the whole podcast and then uh see see if you had any hot takes at the end.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, no, I'm doing well. I had a look at uh the um uh yeah, the shareholder meeting that was done on Yahoo Finance with Warren Buffett. Some really some good stuff there, uh, but before we get going on that, we do have a listener question, which I think is uh, really good. It's quite jam packed, but it'll be fun to talk about and uh, just put in the perspective of the current investing environment. So it'll be uh, fun to discuss that.
0: I can read it out. So this is from Alex, and this is it's a big question, right? It's a, it's a lot of theorizing involved, and, and Simon will give his take, and then and then I'll, I'll give mine as well. So he says. What do you think about a potential doom loop caused by baby boomers exiting the market with lonesome sums of cash versus millennials entering with very little time to invest, corporations not being able to buy back as much stock um, due to the current economic situation, ever-increasing debt to low interest rates, and our generation's need for instant gratification? I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on this topic. So um, parts, before Simon goes, parts of this is very theoretical. Um, and and we've heard people talk about this phenomenon that could happen with older generations, uh, you know, leaving large sums of cash out of the market and then, you know, creating this void with millennials not investing. I think that is complete BS, But before I tear it apart, Simon, what do you think about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, I think it's a good question, a fun discussion to have. Um, There's definitely quite a few moving parts in that question. So I will try to break it down. So first of all, you talked about uh, Alex mentioned baby boomers. Um, so yes it's true you know population as a whole it is getting older Um, it's fun to put in perspective though that baby boomers right now are entering their 70s for the most part so those are people um, baby boomers tend to be I think 10-15 years after the end of the second world war so babies that were born during that period so my parents are part of that they're born in 52 Um, there's a I find there is a bit of misconception in terms of thinking that uh, people or baby boomers will withdraw all their money from equities. Um, You have to keep in mind right now we're at extremely low interest rates. The life expectancy is also getting higher. So if people want to like you know, the theory would say just, you know, liquidate all their equities and then just put it in fixed income. Well, they will probably have a hard time just keeping up with inflation. I was looking a bit uh, before we started recording and the treasury bonds in Canada and the U.S., so they're fairly similar in terms of what their interest rates is on them. So the just to give you guys an idea. So the 10 year treasury bond in Canada is yielding less than one percent. And if we're looking at the 10-year in the States, it's about the same, so it's actually a bit lower, so it's 0.64%. So if we're just going with the traditional inflation of about two percent or so um, you're not keeping up with the cost of living if you're putting everything in very safe fixed income so what are your options in terms of that then it would be obviously equities Um, you can also invest in real estate there's other things but for the most part i would think most people will keep their money in equities for that reason Maybe not everything, obviously. They'll probably, like we've mentioned before, if they have five years' worth of expenses, usually you want that in safer assets. But beyond that, if people are living until they're 85, 90... Or, you know, like Charlie Munger, 96, or past that. um, They need money to fund that retirement and they won't get that in fixed income. So I think it's a bit misleading for that. There's also withdrawal schedules that are required. So most of that money is most likely tied to registered accounts. So retirement registered accounts, whether it's RSPs in Canada or similar accounts in the U.S., 401ks, for example. Um, so there's a there's a bit of a penalty, too, for people to withdraw that money. Um, there's not an actual penalty, but when you do withdraw that money, it's taxable income. So if someone were to sell all their assets and then, or all their equities, and then just withdraw that money, they'll get taxed up to the wazoo. Of course, like I said, they could just sell their equities and put in fixed income, but then you don't keep up with inflation. So I think that's where there is a bit of an issue with that theory that the mass exodus from baby boomers will cause the market to go completely down. Um, It's true that younger people will have less money to invest, but then again, baby boomers will probably have to keep a decent portion invested in equities. So that's the first part of that. Um, the buying back stocks, I don't think that's a bad thing, to be honest, that uh, businesses are buying back less stock than they used to during this uh, 10-year bull run. What really, to me, the 10-year bull run showed is that companies are terrible at buying back stocks. Um, they've bought stock back at incredibly high prices and if you look at different studies that's what you'll find is that most companies that do buy back stock don't do a very good job of doing it so I personally don't see much of an issue with that if the company is not buying back stock they can either pay dividends or keep the money to reinvest in the business and make sure they keep surviving during these difficult times So that's my take on that part. Um, The low interest rates and instant gratification that you can see in the younger generation, um, that's the issue with low interest rates. So when you keep interest rates low, you're essentially incentivizing people to borrow and spend that money now uh, because if they save that money, it won't really increase in value because the interest rates are so low. So you're really giving them an incentive. And I think that's where the biggest risk is probably located is these low interest rates and the incentive it gives people and businesses to keep borrowing money and the high level of debt is I think the biggest problem uh, going forward. Uh, we're at historical levels, whether you're looking at corporate debt or individual debt. So from all of the things that Alex mentioned, I think the, uh, the debt aspect is definitely the one that would be the more worrying in terms of uh, my philosophy. Um, I've said it before, there's a reason why you wanna diversify, whether it's asset classes, whether you wanna be fully invested in equities or Have a bit of diversification, whether it's real estate, whether it's a small portion in cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, like I've mentioned before. I know Braden doesn't have that, and that's fine. Like we don't have to agree on everything. I know we agree on a lot of things, but uh, you know there's different ways to look at it. Uh, But yeah, that last part is the one that would be the the greatest risk for me.
0: It's a jam packed question. There's no there's no no doubt about that. Let me just take a a step back on the whole uh, baby boomers like this idea that they're all going to withdraw from equities on the same trading day and have some circuit breaker trigger is just bonkers to me because for some reason, I don't know why, for some reason, society thinks that the baby boomers have been on the verge of retirement for the last 15 years. Like they're just always – 64, 65. That is the youngest year, 64, 65, of the baby boomers right now. So most of them are in their 70s. A lot of them are not working. A lot of them have already moved out of equities into bonds or continuing to hold equities because they want dividend income, whatever it may be. And I think that's a good idea for them. But that theory and we've seen it been thrown around i think is a load of crap that's just uh you know what i think because long term there's been generation turnover after generation turnover you know it's it's not like before this when it, when the when the baby boomers were passed on all the money that uh you know there was some thing happened there because of an aging demographic i think that much Other forces move markets more than that. So, very interesting question. It's fun to theorize about this stuff. It's also fun to theorize about how, you know, different things impact the market. Like, if, if everyone moves to this passive indexing style with ETFs, you know, will there be some more massive panic sell off or will the market never crash because, um, you know, everyone just buying and holding passive investments so it doesn't go down as fast well me you've already debunked that with extreme the most extreme market volatility we've seen in 2020 so yeah it it is fun to theorize about the stuff i agree with it but a lot of it uh you know doesn't make a whole lot of sense just think about it logically and thinking about it logically and taking a step back listen to our man warren buffett uh he basically went on for an hour before you know getting to the juicy stuff but what people really want to know is why did you sell 100 stakes in all of the airlines and all the major u.s airlines and buffett was a huge holder of airlines before this um so yeah he basically talked about for an hour before all that of why you don't bet against the stock market and why long-term investors will be rewarded and that you know drawing endless parallels between what's happening now and what was happening you know during his youth you have to remember this guy bought stocks at 11 years old he has seen everything and we're also dealing with a guy who's extremely intelligent like like mensa off the charts IQ he has seen it all so when when he had when he goes up there and and says how you should be reacting you know how you should be looking at the markets right now just 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 listen to the man he he knows what he's talking about his wisdom is incredible so if you haven't listened to that as well maybe Simon we can link that to the show notes there's a youtube video that uh, yahoo finance uploaded that i'm looking at now here so let's get to the juicy stuff here Simon Buffett exiting all airline positions. What is your thoughts on this?
1: I mean, he makes us look good. He no, does make us look good, man. We
0: look great. You've been listening uh, to the Canadian yeah, I mean... Investor. You've, been, uh, you've, been, you've already left airline stocks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like I think we had talked about Air Canada already and how we were lukewarm of entering uh, the travel and leisure industry and the airline industry for obvious reason because we didn't know what kind of like we knew it would get back they would get back in operating to a level that's more than ten percent of what they had last year, but at the same time we don't know exactly what level that's going to be. Is it going to be? you know, 40, 50% is going to be the new normal. Um, that could very well be, and no one really knows. Um, one of the things that was announced by all the U.S. airlines, and I think Air Canada and WestJet too, is that we um, will be required to wear a mask when we travel. So that's one of the changes. Um, I know some of the airlines have also mentioned that they would most likely uh, restrict seating and potentially just having just half of the capacity of the airplane to be available for booking. That way they make sure that um, people are physically distancing as much as they can. But that really just says you know, what uh, Buffett is saying is they don't really know how to value these airlines companies going forward. Um, There's two main themes that I got from him. First of all, the debt level. So the fact that they're getting these huge bailouts from the U.S. government, and of course, you can create some parallels with Air Canada and Canada, um, is that they're getting a lot of debt. And he was getting, he was saying that, uh, no, that's not something they're comfortable with. When they also invested in airline companies, they're, They had a certain upside that they saw in airline companies. Um, The problem with that is that upside was based on how they were operating at the time. No one could have foreseen the pandemic. That he granted that, that the CEOs in general did a good job, uh, but it's something that was out of their control. But he did also say that that completely changed their view on investing in the airline uh, stocks. And because they could no longer project future earnings, they thought it was better or he thought it was better uh, just simply selling their position. I think it's the four major airlines in the States. I think it was American, Delta, Southwest, and I can't remember the last one but regardless it doesn't matter. Um, I thought it was really interesting for the last part of this is that it goes to show you that even Warren Buffett and he'll admit it he made a mistake investing in them. Well, even Warren Buffett makes mistakes, and he's seen as the greatest investor of all time. I've made mistakes. I'm sure Braden has made mistakes in the past. Whoever you're listening to us, I'm sure you've made mistakes. You'll make mistakes when you're investing in the future. But what's really good is when you notice that you've made a mistake, if it no longer holds true what you were thinking about your investment, you know, sometimes it's just better off to cut your losses and not hang on to it because that capital that you're tying into that investment could in your assessment you could very well use it better somewhere else so i think that's that's the main thing i took from the the whole airline uh, selling his old position in airline stocks
0: it was a bold move for him to go out there and and do this but it makes sense because warren is the most honest guy when it comes to you know making mistakes or what he sees, and he just fails to see that he has any competitive advantage in terms of knowing and being able to value the business on a go-forward basis for these companies because it's so incredibly difficult. Um, so he sees opportunity elsewhere and. Buffett will continue to be a net purchaser of businesses and stocks, no matter what. Um, So that's, that's really important to recognize that he is still so optimistic about the market. Um, And yeah, and Simon, I don't make mistakes, buddy. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. So, and uh, the other things he had to mention you know he he talked about oil prices going negative he talked about interest rates he talked about all that stuff and it's no different than any other time he goes on CNBC and just says hey i'm not betting against the market i never will it's done it's done so well it will continue to do well so, you know, I see people short the S and P 500 during the pandemic. I've had a bunch of buddies tell me that they're doing that, um, and I, I just basically have no comment because, theori- like, from a like ten foot step back and look at what you're doing by shorting the S and P 500, inherently makes zero sense. 0 cent. So maybe if you want to do some cool trade and make a bunch of money, sure, do whatever you want. But shorting the S&P 500 is just idiotic in a sense uh to be to be holding that from for a long term time frame whatsoever because of what Warren has to say. Don't bet against the stock market. That has punished investors or pessimists in this case. So um I think beyond what we were gonna say, just listen to the to what he has to say. It's five hours, but the good stuff he, he basically goes through in an hour, and then um, talks about Berkshire and you know all the statements for another basically four hours. This guy is just trucking along. He's got his cans of Coke. <laughs> the guy is a walking advertisement for his for his company. Did you see his
1: his powerpoints? His his slides, slides
0: were so <laughs> badass. Like nothing says "I don't give a shit." More than his slides. I love it.
1: Apparently, he just learned uh, to do it like recently, never used PowerPoint before, and uh, he did it himself. So I was like, oh boy, this uh, this is rudimentary in terms of PowerPoint. His
0: slides are amazing. Like, they're so Buffett, it's perfect. Um, And yeah, he said it's a presentation about, uh, yeah, I've never used these slides before, and I don't really know what I'm doing, but uh, here we go. (laughs) It's perfect.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a couple of other things that I wanted to point out in some of the stuff he said, and it's definitely really interesting. If you have time to watch and like, like Braden said, like the actual videos, five hours. There's a lot of blah 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 from CNBC at the begin beginning or the host that was doing it on Yahoo Finance. Um, so you can always just like skip to the moment where Buffett starts talking. Um, but one of the things is that he did not invest a lot of money. Um, during the downturn. That, that kind of surprised me. So that was one of the things that did surprise me in terms of that. I also mentioned that he still thought overall that equities were uh, quite highly valued. Um, I can't say I disagree with that based on the The new reality and the uncertainty going forward. And he had a lot of good parallels, like Braden said, in terms of how people were feeling in the 1930s, um, how people were feeling for all the different market correction or market crashes that happened afterwards. And there's really one constant is People didn't know what to expect and the reality is we don't know what to expect going forward with this uh, pandemic. It's just it's brand new. We don't know exactly what's you know, reopening will mean. Uh, We don't know how quickly a vaccine will come. There's a lot of things we don't know. And uh, I think that's why it's so difficult to value the market right now. Um, I personally think it's a bit overvalued given that uh, we're not that far from the recent highs of February. And companies, a lot of companies will be suffering in the short term. Uh, But again, I don't know maybe the market will stay stable kind of just go sideways maybe it'll go up maybe it'll go down um, it's really hard to to pinpoint where the market is going to go um, so definitely you know I think this just reinforces if you don't want to pick stocks pick an index fund like Buffett says and uh, do it on a regular basis and then you'll avoid the whole headache of trying to you know dig in trying to time the market and all that stuff because it's, it's very hard to do and especially when there's so much uncertainty.
0: So it leads me to something I've been thinking about and I get questions about all the time from my Stratosphere members as well as just people who reach out. And people want to know a lot about companies that are on the operating table, like the airlines we just talked about or or like a restaurant brands international or like a hotels business, travel business. And versus a company that's alive and thriving, even in an environment like this, like Microsoft, for instance. The questions I'm getting a lot are those companies, like, you know, a lot of those big tech companies are up net in 2020. Um, And I think they should be. Because they're gaining business from this, as horrible as that sounds, um, versus a company that's you know shut down on the operating table and looks incredibly cheap. and and what I what I am trying to get you know across is there are value traps out there. There are companies that look incredibly cheap on past trailing 12 months. And if they come back and if they come back strong, then yeah, they look really, really cheap right now. Uh, mind you've probably gone on a bit of a roller coaster before that recovery happens, which you know I, I respect going through that. But if it's up to you, Simon, are you picking companies that okay? Yeah, they might still look expensive or haven't really gone down. You know, as value investors, we want to be buying stocks that are down, but you don't want to be buying a value trap. So are you? Strictly, you know, in terms of putting cash in right now, are you looking for companies that are going to come out of this strong and, and are currently thriving in this environment? Or are you trying to pick up businesses that are potentially value picks long term that are on the operating table right now, but have a lot of uncertainty?
1: Um, yeah, I'm staying away uh, from <laughs> businesses that are on the operating table. Um, I'm just not even really considering them. Um, the way I see it is you're taking a gamble on whether the business will survive or not. If it does survive, then yeah, you have a good chance for decent returns. But even then, it could survive and not thrive afterwards. So that's one of the issues I see right there. Um, and picking those will tend to be... There, there might be a lot of timing involved into that. There's also a lot of external forces that will impact um, your investment that you are really out of your control. Um, so my personal philosophy is I'd rather take businesses that are really thriving. Um, you know, for the most part, they're businesses that pay a dividend. But I'm fine with investing in businesses that don't pay a dividend as long as it's a great business and um, they're you know, their prospects look very good going, right now, but going forward as well. Um, the one thing where I'm willing to take bets a little bit in terms of maybe a little riskier stuff. Um, so I said it, obviously there's cryptocurrency that's in my more fun money, but there's also my kind of more growth stocks that are maybe not profitable right now, but will really be thriving in this type of environment. But I'll preface this, Those growth stocks, for me, as long as they're not losing too much money, as long as it's a little bit, they're not burning too much cash, and that they have a good cash balance cushion. So that's really important. So it's one thing if you're burning a little bit of cash, but you have like tons of runway because you, you know, you went IPO not too long ago, you just have a lot of cash and cash equivalents on the books and very little debt. So yeah, sure, fine, you're losing a bit of money. That's not the end of the world. Um, So those are the kind of companies that I will consider a lot. I will consider them way before I consider companies that are like on the verge of either going bankrupt or are waiting a bailout. Yeah,
0: I totally agree with you and uh yeah, people listening, take take note of what Simon just said. Like seriously, there's so many opportunities out there with companies that are minimally affected and trading at a little discount or, you know, thriving in this environment and going to come out of this really, really strong out there that you know you don't have to whatever checking off a, you know, a checkmark on your investing strategy that you're buying a company that's down. You don't have to do that. Like you can, you, you don't, you don't have to look back at a stock. It should never be a reason to invest in a company by starting to look at their stock chart, by the way. But if you do and you go, Oh, it's all it's done is go straight up and it's up in 2020. I I can't do that. I'm a value investor. You know, Put that ego crap aside. You know these are very good businesses that are going to come out of this stronger. They're going to come out of this better, um, and they're available. You know, you don't have to buy something that's you know their balance sheet is deteriorating at the seams right now. So, it's a, it's a very good it's very good points you just made, Simon, and uh, you know I I fully fully agree with you.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just about. Like to me, it's just about investing in good businesses, and you know it's fine. We've talked about it again. If you want to take small bets here and here, here and there on like riskier stuff, that's fine. Just make it a small part of your portfolio. If you want to invest in companies that are on the operating table. You know, I wouldn't personally, but that's really up to you. Just make it a small portion of your investments. That would be my best tip I, I would not have for you. And if you guys are looking for just a random idea of like one of the companies I'm looking at right now, that kind of goes with what I was saying. Um, so I do like one of the companies I'm looking at very closely is Pinterest. So Pinterest is still losing money, but one of the reasons I like Pinterest is, um, I mean, I use it. I've used it a a lot more since the pandemic started for projects, for even... uh, just uh, also making recipes, like I think I use it, like I must use it like six, seven times a week. Uh, All the women in my life that I know use Pinterest. Um, They've been doing pretty well overall. Um, They have a good cash balance, very little debt. Um, So that's the type of company that I look at. They're still losing money. But to me, it's a company that will, has a lot more potential in you know in the next two three five ten fifteen twenty years so that's just an example i'm not saying invest or not in it but it is a type of company i have on my radar
0: simon i just learned you, you use pinterest That's very very interesting to me uh we just lost about 57 subscribers to the uh, canadian investor podcast but that's okay that's okay i like the honesty um, no, it's a good point. The These are companies...
1: Hey, what's wrong with oh, Pinterest? Man. It's <laughs> Nothing's
0: wrong with Pinterest. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there, man. Nothing's wrong with Pinterest. You're saying
1: uh, mostly women use Pinterest? I'm not saying
0: what? that, Simon. You're saying that. <laughs> okay. you're, you're saying that.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's, there's lots of
0: companies out there that, you know, it's really hard when I'm saying this to just not be thinking about tech, tech, tech. All the time. Uh, The pick for my Stratosphere members that released today, Tuesday, April 5th, or Tuesday, May 5th, sorry, um, is a technology company. Wonderful company here in Canada. And yeah, they're getting business from this. It's not, you know, they're not going to go out and say, hey, by the way, coronavirus, awesome for business. You know, they're not saying that. Um, and they shouldn't say that. That's that's it's horrible. That's it's it's gross. Um, But there are com- the, um, this is a roundabout way of going. You know, there there are companies that are alive, thriving, and you don't have to buy. You know, a company that is unforeseeably opening, and I and I and I think that they will. All these ones will be opening their doors in in 2020. It's just at what capacity, right? We have to phase this in correctly. And um, I'm not going to talk about that anymore because I'm tired of people pretending that they're epidemiologists. So um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about with Buffett's chat or his five hour chat or, uh, you know, investing in companies at all right now?
1: No, no, I think uh, that, I think we went long enough about those things. It was a good question too from Alex. Thank you for that. Uh, if you guys have more questions for us, uh, I think I mentioned it on the, the last podcast, but we do uh, have a Twitter account now. So it's at CDN underscore investing, all lowercase. So make sure you guys follow us. Um, we'll be... Brayden and I will post on a regular basis and we'll make sure that all the episodes are there. Um, when we do uh, post it, we'll post it on Twitter too and we'll put it in the uh, episode description. We'll keep it there just to make sure you guys don't forget about it.
0: Oh yeah, we have a Twitter now. Follow our Twitter. I've never tweeted before. After this episode, I'm going to tweet on our account. So that, What is it again? CDN underscore investing or investor
1: Investing so at CDN underscore investing all over beautiful.
0: So go, uh, is it follow? Like, I am such a Twitter rookie, I've never used it. It's a follow, yeah. Go Go follow follow us us. (laughs) and also go follow my Instagram at stratosphere investing. We're gonna hit 700 followers. I'm uh, like mediocrely famous now, not a big deal, guys. Um, we will see you next week. Go to getstockmarket.com constantly updating it, updating it after this call. Uh, Lots of North American growth, dividend growth stocks. give you all the metrics you want in one place. And we will see you next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Go give us five stars wherever you're listening to this right now. We appreciate it a lot.
1: The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simone may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for
0: listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to
1: getstockmarket.com.